You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. By the way, 1 Timothy chapter 6, the context of the root of, you know, love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Right there in the context of that, Paul writes and he says, here's the loose paraphrase. You came into this world butt naked, and guess how you're leaving? Butt naked. Brought nothing into the world, take nothing out of the world. Only thing we're going to have in the next life is what we've invested for kingdom causes in this life. That's all we're going to have. Perhaps one of the more common struggles in the life of every believer is remembering where we came from. It's all too often that we get caught up in the things that we long for, forgetting that when we die, we'll take absolutely none of it with us. In today's message, Pastor Danny reflects on the reality that we're born into this world with nothing and will depart it with just as much. In his study, you'll learn the importance of storing up treasures in heaven rather than temporary offerings of the world. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Malachi chapter three as he continues his message, My First Commitment as a Christian. I love what God says through the ministry of Malachi in Malachi chapter 3, because they were failing in tithing, among other things. And here's what the Lord says, test me in this. God says, test me in this, and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing, you won't be able to contain it. What a thing for God to say. You test me. You can't outgive me. That's what he's saying. You honor me. You can't outgive me. It acknowledges that all my wealth comes from the Lord. Let me read from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. David is giving gifts himself for the building of the temple. He's giving opportunity for the people to give willingly for the building of the temple. And here's what he says, verse 12, chapter 29. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have only given you what comes from your hand. David got it. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. We'd have nothing if it wasn't for the Lord. It opens the door. Oh, don't miss this one. It opens the door for spiritual blessings. I believe some people are not receiving the spiritual blessings that God wants to pour out on them because of a failure in honoring the Lord. 
with our finances. Jesus said it, Luke chapter 16, verse 11. If you've not been faithful in handling worldly wealth, who's going to give you true riches? That's what Jesus said. It opens the door for spiritual blessings. But get this, it opens the door for financial blessings. Malachi, I just mentioned. But listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Now, I want you to understand when I say this and read this verse, I'm not what people today would consider a prosperity preacher because I think they go too far. And I think the motive is just to get. But there's no question that God promises if we're faithful, we won't outgive him. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, here's what Jesus said, give, and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. More generous I am, more generous God will be. That's what, that's what Jesus said. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes the same exact thing. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way. Why? So you can buy anything you want. It's not what it says. So that you can be generous on every occasion. God says, I'm going to give you more so you can give more. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God because of all the blessing. That's happening for the kingdom of God through our giving. Hey, Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't lay up treasures here on earth where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And there, moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break in and steal. It's in a locked box. I've been storing up treasure in heaven for over 37 years. I'm excited. I can't wait to get there. By the way, 1 Timothy chapter 6 the context of the root of, you know, love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Right there in the context of that, Paul writes and he says, here's the loose paraphrase. You came into this world butt naked, and guess how you're leaving? Butt naked. Brought nothing into the world, take nothing out of the world. Only thing we're going to have in the next life is what we've invested for kingdom causes in this life. That's all we're going to have. And it furthers the work of the local church. And the local church is the entity for the advancement of the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament, it was the temple. It was the Levitical priesthood. In the New Testament, it's the church. I think there's so much evidence uh, for this, for biblical evidence for tithing through the local church. I'm going to give you a few. Acts chapter 4. This is not the tithe, but it's still the principle. New Testament church, people are selling land and houses, bringing the proceeds. And it says they laid the proceeds of their sales at the apostles' feet. That's just a statement saying that it, it was the apostles responsible for collecting and then distributing the offerings. I think that's the way it is. It's the leadership of the church. It's not one leader. It's a group of leaders. It's an accountability. Paul shows this repeatedly. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul in his missionary journeys, God gave him a heart for the poor the apostles Peter and John encouraged him to remember the poor in his ministry. He said, that's the very thing we were eager to do. And one of the things he did is he went around to churches where he ministered, uh, those even planted, and he collected a special benevolence offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And if you know, a famine hit Jerusalem and a lot of people were hurting. 
uh, in the early church when it first started, nobody had any needs because people were selling land and houses and the apostles were distributing to anyone as he had need. But that didn't continue. Famine hit and the saints, the Jewish saints in Jerusalem were hurting. Paul was taking up offerings to help them. But he was very careful to give them practical instruction. He said in 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of the week, set aside a sum in keeping with your income. That's very practical. First day of the week, what day was that? Not Monday. No, no, no. Sunday was the first day of the week. Saturday was the Sabbath. Sunday was the first day of the week. Early church began to meet on Sunday because it was on the first day of the week that Jesus resurrected from the dead. So he's saying, when you come together, gather for worship, set aside a sum in keeping with your income. It was a church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in the collection and the, the delivering and the distribution of these offerings, Paul makes sure there are leaders of the church that are overseeing it. Leaders that the church has ratified to say, these are the men. These are the ones. These are the leaders to oversee it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, very, very practical passage here. Because again, the Old Testament, it was the temple, it was the Levitical priesthood. And let me give you a, a little note here before I get into this little section and read this in 1 Corinthians 9. Old Testament, Levitical priesthood, the temple uh, ministry, and the, the Levites were supported, full-time ministers. And what was it that supported them? What funds? It was from the tithe. Every third year, listen to this, I'll read it. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 12. Every third year, they were to take a tithe, and the tithe for every third year was to be divided up, some as a special gift to the Levites, some to help foreigners that they were ministering to, foreigners, non-Jews, some to help the fatherless, and some to help the widows. I'm going to come back to that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us. Yes, it's written for us. And then he says, verse 11, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest? And then verse 13, don't you know that those who work in the temple, Old Testament, get their food from the temple, and those who serve the altar share in what is offered on the altar? Levites, priests. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel, this is New Testament, should receive their living from the gospel. Why do I read that? How is the New Testament leadership? How are New Testament missionaries like Paul? How are they supported? Same way as the Old Testament. At least that's my conviction. The tithe. I am absolutely convinced. Listen carefully. I am absolutely convinced. If every Christian in every local church would just tithe. I mean just tithe. Off the first fruits. The first fruits of all the increase. We would need a special needs offering. Our missionaries wouldn't have to go to other churches to, to do deputation and travel to gain support. I'm absolutely convinced of that. I believe we would have everything we need, and I believe we would have even more. With that in mind, let me read a few more verses from 2 Chronicles 
chapter 31 and the revival led by King Hezekiah. Here's what it says. Verse 4. Hezekiah ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. And as soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The men of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks, a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God, and they piled them in heaps. Verse 9, Hezekiah asked the priests and Levites and Azariah, and they answered, since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we've had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people. And this great amount is, get this, left over. I am absolutely convinced we'd be looking for places to spend the Lord's money if every Christian in every local church would just simply tithe. I mean, it's exciting, the potential. Let me give you one more. First Timothy. Chapter 5, 1 Timothy was written as an instruction manual for local churches. And there's some very practical things here. For example, chapter 5, verse 9, no widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60, has been faithful to her husband, etc., etc., etc. I mentioned from Deuteronomy 26, every third year under the Old Testament economy, the tithe, part of it was used to support widows. Here in the New Testament, the church is supporting some widows who either had no family to support them or the family was negligent in supporting them. This list is a list of widows that the local church supported completely. That was their responsibility to support them. It's our responsibility. If a widow either doesn't have family who will, who's there to support her, or they're just not willing, then it's the church's responsibility if they meet the requirements listed here in 1 Timothy 5. Then you jump down to verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. That Greek word for honor is a financial term. It has to do with finances, money, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. So for pastors in the New Testament church, church staff, missionaries, where's the money to come from? I'm absolutely convinced, based on these scriptures I've shared, the tithe of God's people. And I'm excited despite how quiet it is in here right now, I'm excited to share this with you. I'll say one practical note too. Early on in our ministry, one of our leaders who helped put our first worship team together, and it's, he helped develop really our first really good worship team. In terms of people really talented, you know, and, and we took it up a notch in terms of people that were gifted to sing and to play. But we really needed a sound system in those days. We really, our sound system was awful, awful. And he said to me, because the church didn't have the funds to do it, well, why don't over the next few weeks and months, you and I just set aside our tithe and use that money to buy a sound system? And I believe then and I believe now that's unbiblical to do. I don't believe it's one person's responsibility to take the tithe and decide how it's supposed to be spent in the church. I believe the tithes are collected through the leadership of the church and God-ordained leaders 
And thank God we have some good ones here. Make a decision every year on the budget of the church and how those funds are to be distributed. So I didn't do that then, and I've never done that. I give the tithe, it goes into the pot, and uh, the leadership of the church decides how those funds are to be distributed. Now, let me try to bring it in for a landing. Tithe, I believe, is just basic. It's just basic. I believe that's where you start. But thank God that's not where we end up. Because there's all kind of offerings beyond the tithe that we have the privilege, and I've had the privilege now uh, for a long time to be able to give. And I, I could do a whole series of messages on these offerings. I'm not choosing to do that. But there's uh, giving to missionaries individually. There's giving to parachurch ministries that are extensions of the local church. They are not the local church, but they are extensions of the local church. And I think there, there are many of them worthy to be supported. There's Good Samaritan giving. That's, uh, if you know the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the guy was beaten and robbed, and a Samaritan comes along and uh, bandages his wounds and takes him to an inn, says to the innkeeper, here's some money. If you have to spend more than this, when I come back through, I'll reimburse you for everything. You're not looking for a tax write-off or anything. You're just looking to help somebody in the name of the Lord. And it's a privilege to be able to do that. Sacrificial giving. First Kings 17, the widow there of Zarephath. The New Testament, Luke 21, the widow there that Jesus used her giving as an opportunity to teach his disciples. And she came and she gave all she had to live on, two mites, the last two mites. And it says in the passage that Pharisees and others were coming and giving large amounts, large amounts. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, you see this widow? She's given more than all of them, more than all of them. Now, you want to be led of the Lord in sacrificial giving. But let me give you an interesting note on that. By the way, 2 Corinthians 8, the Macedonian churches, Paul talked about them. And Paul wasn't going to ask the Macedonian churches for the special offerings for the poor saints in Jerusalem because these Macedonians were extremely poor themselves. They found out about these offerings that were being taken, and they came to Paul and said, please, they urgently pleaded with him to share. And it says they didn't do as we thought. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with his will. And they gave beyond their ability. Let me say a practical note on this. For some of us today, if God really speaks to us, if you're really listening, really listening, and you're not at this point someone who honors the Lord with the tithe off the first fruits of everything that God gives you. For some of us, we want to do it. But for us to even begin tithing would be sacrificial. In other words, it doesn't make sense. If you start tithing today, God would have to supernaturally provide for you and your family for you to be able to make it. But here's the exciting side, other side of that coin. Whatever kind of sacrificial giving it is. When we give sacrificially, because it doesn't make sense on paper, it doesn't fit the budget, then it's the only time we have an opportunity to see God do exactly what he said he would do. In other words, it's going to take a miracle. In the same way it didn't make sense for me to give it, I can't make sense of how God supplied in giving it back to me. And the only way I can experience that is times when he leads me to give sacrificially, and then I see his hand move supernaturally by taking care of me and giving back to me. And if we never give sacrificially, you'll never see God do that. It's the only time he can do that. Now, let me, the landing gear's down. Let me give you some practical points. I'm going to say this because people ask me this, especially after a message like this. I get this question all the time. 
And I'm just going to tell you so you don't have to ask me. Give off the gross, not the net. Even unwillingly, we're going to give off the gross to Uncle Sam. My king is greater than Uncle Sam. The way, listen, the gross is what I earned. The gross is what I earned. So I'm not going to give off what I take home. I'm going to give off what I earned. Okay? And you, and you can trust God. I'll tell you what, he'll honor you. Give each pay period. I think that's just practical. Some scriptures I'm not going to turn to, but very practical. Uh, the one laying aside weekly. The second one, I'll just tell you. Paul sends some people to Corinth and says, I'm sending these leaders to make sure we finish the arrangements for the gifts that you've promised so that when I show up, you don't have to give it grudgingly. What he's saying is set it aside in increments because if you wait and wait and wait, and then you say, well, if I'm going to tithe off of this two months later, it's going to be this amount. It's much harder to give then. It's much easier to do it every time you get the increase. Now, it's my belief, and, and I've been practicing this, and I encourage you to practice it, uh, every gift you receive, aside from your paycheck, if you receive a financial gift, tithe off of it. You make an investment, and you make increase off the investment, tithe off of it. That's what Proverbs 3.9 says, the first fruits of all the increase, because God's the one giving the increase. So we honor him off of every bit of the increase. Finally, there's some obstacles to giving, and they're very simple. One is love of money. You can't serve two masters. Either hate the one, love the other, love the one, despise the other. Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And the second is simply a lack of faith. Lack of faith. I got about one minute of legal time. I told you I read this a few months ago, the Great Evangelical Recession. I read one section, and I was concerned I might even have been a little bit discouraged because this guy has checked out all kind of secular and Christian institutions that do, well, they track giving and donations uh, to local churches and to ministries. And here's just some simple statements of the findings. Folks over age 75 give four times as much of their income as 25 to 44-year-olds today. Each younger generation gives significantly less of its income to ministry. The older generation accounts for only 19% of our American national church but they give 46% of our donations. That concerns me because I think there's some true statistics there. And here's what I want to say in closing, especially to those of you who are younger. I started tithing when I was 19 years old, and I've, I've tithed ever since, and I plan on tithing until I see Jesus face to face. And I recommend it highly because I think if you were listening to those verses, I, if I just had Abraham and Melchizedek alone, just Abraham and Melchizedek is enough for me to tithe because it's the tenth to Christ, to Christ, to Christ. That's not law. That's just honoring Christ, honoring Christ, because all the financial increase in my life is from him. And so I encourage young people. You may be living at home. You may not even be a teenager yet. And you get an allowance. You get five bucks a week or whatever. Or if you're real, maybe you get more than that. I don't know how much they give allowances these days. You know, or if they even do that these days. But look, you get five bucks, give God 50 cents. I really mean that because you're going to be blessed. And you make that a pattern of your life. You just make it just like brushing your teeth and taking a shower and just make it a regular part of your worship experience as a Christian. And I'm telling you what, you are going to be blessed. God is going to be honored. 
and the work of the kingdom through the local church is going to be increased. We're so glad that you joined us for today's edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again or more from Pastor Danny, visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. This is a great way to dive into the Word of God. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God and His Word over the radio. So please pray that anyone listening today would be open to hearing the gospel message. We ask that you pray for soft hearts and receptive minds to the grace Jesus offers to everyone. Pray also that we'd continue to seek God's will for this program and that we'd have the courage to follow Him wherever He leads. As you pray, let us know if God would lead you to support the Living Word financially. If you'd like to give any amount to this ministry, please visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the Give tab. We're so grateful for the support. Thanks for praying with and for us. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Danny will share more on Christian basics next time, right here on The Living Word.